Well, Merry Christmas. Good to see you all. Um, if you're new here, glad to have you. Uh, stoked that you're here. One of the heart of Cornerstone is, is that uh, we love having you on Sunday mornings, but we really do believe that God's called us to something bigger than just Sunday mornings. And so if you'd like to be a part of us, we'd love to have you join us. You can ask questions about who we are as a church in the back. Um, if you've been around for a while, good to see you too. So glad everybody's here. This is what we've been doing. Uh, for the last few weeks, we've been trying to just get ourselves ready for Christmas. Uh, part of it is, is that I feel like if you're like me, kind of Christmas comes and goes. And next thing you know, you're like, man, I wish I would have done this with Christmas. Or I wish I would have done that with Christmas. And so that was kind of our heart is to figure out how do we help you and help us all to just walk through this idea of keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. Now, the, the first week we talked about just the idea that Christmas is meant to see Christ. And so Jared unpacked that, and he just walked through this idea that at the, the core of Christmas, to, to keep at the center of everything, the, the thing that gives Christmas purpose is Christ. You, you lose that, you lose everything. Second week, we followed up on that, and we had, uh, 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 what's his name? Christian. <laughs> uh, you know, that one dude. Uh, Christian talked about, though, that what Jesus did in all of that was is that he defeated our greatest enemy, sin and death. And he talked about just this idea that at the core of what that sin and death was, was these people that were created to live in dependence on God, coming to God and saying, God, I'm going to live independently. And that was, the, that was just the, the audacity and the arrogance of what humanity did. Third Sunday, we talked through just this, this idea of the amazing love of Jesus Christ. And Mike talked about that, just how full and deep and huge God's love is for us. But it should hit us at such a level, not just, just this reality that he loves me, but he designed then all of us to love and so we can love radically. And then last week, I loved it, uh, Chris Hay got up here and talked about this idea that, that Christmas is meant to celebrate. And I don't know how many of you in this room are this way. I was the total Grinch. I am. I'm just not a Christmas person. And my wife is kind of the Disneyland Christmas person. So all week long, I've been confronting her. And, and so you can pray for her. And, but we just, <clears throat> right? But there's just this reality that, that those of us that know Jesus, we can, can't we? We can celebrate. It's the birth of the King. And so that's what we've tried to do. Now, what we're going to do this week, though, is that all of these things come together with this idea that really at the core of it, Christmas is meant to know God. I don't know if you've ever just sat and thought about it ever just on your own time. What a mind-blowing reality it is that those of us that know Jesus, we have a relationship with the God of the universe. That's powerful. And it's not just that we can know about him, but actually we can know him. We can walk with him and experience him. And, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Now, it's going to sound weird, but the first thing that I want to talk about is St. Nicholas. Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Father Time, whatever you want to call it. Because I think in the middle of understanding Santa Claus, because we so don't understand him, we miss actually what it was to be a man that knew God. Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, was born in the 3rd century. He was born to a pretty affluent family, kind of in what is modern-day Turkey. He, 
he grew up uh, within affluence and had the money around him. But at a young age, probably in his early teens, his parents both died and he inherited everything. After he got the money, he kind of for a while lived apart from Christ. But for the first time ever, he experienced Jesus Christ. And when he experienced Jesus Christ, he heard about this rich young ruler who gave up everything that he was called to give up everything he had and follow Jesus. And so what he decided to do was to give up all of his things and give them to the poor and follow Jesus Christ. And he ended up becoming a pastor in what was called Myra, which is a city inside of Turkey. He devoted his life to kids, to the poor. Here's something else for you. He actually did sneak into people's houses and leave gifts. Freaky, but a good purpose. He would find people at some of the lowest moments, and he would then bring gifts to them, not so much to help the affluent have more, but the poor that didn't have. He lived a pretty radical life. Before Constantine came along, the guy that kind of embraced Christianity within the Roman Empire, he was underneath Diocletian, and as a pastor, he ended up spending five years in prison for his faith. After that was done and Constantine became the emperor, then all of a sudden he began to argue through this reality and he became the champion, not just of the poor, he became the champion, not just of, the, of kids, he became this champion that above all things who he encountered was Jesus Christ and he fought for like 20 years to make sure that the church embraced Jesus, not just as a good man, but as fully the God man. In fact, one of the funniest stories in all of this, of this stuff and the battles about Jesus truly being God, a guy named Arius, who was the guy that was trying to get us to not believe that Jesus was God, St. Nicholas got so mad at him that he walked across the room and decked him. Naughty list. Why? Because he was a broken man that above all things learned how amazing Jesus is. We talk about this idea of Jesus coming in the flesh with with Christmas, but more importantly, when St. Nicholas ran into him, it changed everything. In fact, some of the passages that you can read that he walked through, the one is in John 14 that impacted him greatly. In this passage, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him because you've seen him. He also, in John 17, 2, he just talks about, John talks about this. You put him in charge of everything human, so that being Jesus, so that he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. See, most people don't know about St. Nicholas, but he made it his life. The the Bible promised you can know God, and what he decided to do was to make it his life to know this God that he's talking about through Jesus Christ. He's passionate about it. So what I want to do today is just kind of lay out for you, who is the Jesus that that St. Nicholas ran into? And I just want to start it with this, kind of one of the powerful passages out of Colossians 1 when we talk about Jesus. It says, when we look on the sun and see God who cannot be seen, look at this. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything he created. 
For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and was created for him. And he was there before any of it came into existence. And he holds all of it together right up to this moment. Now, the other day I was sitting down with my son and I was, we were in front of an activity because, and we were just kind of looking at it. And this moment kind of hit me where I'm just like, no way. Not the baby Jesus in the, the manger at that time, obviously, but I just am looking down going, that baby before that started everything. I look down at my son and I go, isn't it incredible? This baby started everything. And he goes, that baby? <laughs> No, you know, so I'm like walking him through. No, 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 not that baby. <laughs> but in it, like, have you ever just thought, Jesus Christ, the one who became the God-man, who lived as an infant, he spoke the whole world into existence. That's how powerful he is. See, when you look back at God's created intent, and this is what I'm talking about, this idea of knowing God. When God created the world, he created man and woman, and it says he created them in his image. Why? He created us to have relationship with him. God didn't just create us to know about him. He actually created us to know him, to have an authentic relationship with the God of the universe. In fact, the way that it talks about it is all the stars that he placed in the sky. Every last thing that he did as far as creating a globe in which humans can exist within it was created to have this relationship with this humanity. All the stars and the way that, that Psalm 19 talks about it just scream this reality of the glory of God. It, it says the heavens declare his glory. Everything points to this idea that there is a God and he designed us to have relationship with him. But I think sometimes we think that God created us to enjoy him. But have you ever thought about the reality that actually God created us to be enjoyed by him? See, one of my favorite stories is when God is naming all, he's having Adam name all the animals. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but can you imagine God bringing each of the animals forward and watching as he knew what Adam was going to name them, but just to be blown away as he went, elephant, rhinoceros, you know, monkey, sloth. It's just, each of these things are coming in front of him. And I think he wasn't going, oh, blah, blah, can we hurry up, Adam? I think he was actually saying, this is awesome. But not only did he create us to enjoy him. And not only does he enjoy us, but the other thing that I think we forget about is, is that he actually created us to enjoy one another. See, at Christmas time, we always talk about enjoying one another, but we, we talk about it like in weird senses of nostalgia. But you were created to enjoy one another. See, this is what happened within the garden. When you look at that Genesis 2, it says, God said it's not good for the man to be alone. He knew that that was not how he created him. None of these animals were going to be the ones that he was going to chill with. And so what does he say? I'll make a helper, a companion, because I don't want him alone. But I love Adam's response, right? He gets done in verse 23, and it says, The man said, Hello. You are now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. What? We were created with the intent that we would have relationship. That's what the Bible just screams. That we would be a group of people that enjoy God and that we understand that God actually enjoys us and we're to enjoy one another. 
When we talk about the baby that came in the manger, this one that spoke all things into existence, this one that absolutely radically changed St. Nicholas's life, that's what we're talking about with Jesus. But you also know this, don't you? What came after that that is so key is that while we were designed for relationship, what enters into the garden, which is sin. You see that in Genesis 3. It says this in verse 1, or verse actually 2, the middle of verse 1. He spoke to the woman. Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees of the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. So the serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows the moment you eat from the tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. And in this one moment, everything that God had designed for us to be able to have a relationship with him, it gets shattered. It's this reality that sometimes ignorance is bliss, isn't it? For the first time ever, they knew evil. They were living in the garden. It says they were naked and not ashamed. When I was a kid, I used to giggle about being naked. But the key aspect of it is they weren't ashamed. They lived at a time, the only time ever in all of humanity, where they weren't trying to hide things. They weren't worried about what other people were going to say about them. They weren't trying to impress people. And in this one moment, all of a sudden, all of this creation that was designed to have a relationship with God just collapses. And Adam and Eve hid, and they ran away from God. It's this time in which you see just the evil one, Satan, begin to question everything about God. Do you trust his power? Do you trust his care? Can you really trust this God? And they bought into it, and it collapsed. But here's the other thing we need to know about this baby that came in a manger. Is it also in Genesis 3, it said, oh, but by the way, Eve, there's going to be one who's going to come through you that is going to crush that serpent's head. So here's the other thing I love about God, this God that St. Nicholas encountered. You can't stop my God. You can't stop him. What he was committed to inside of the garden, this intent to have this beautiful relationship with humanity, the idea is, is that you can't stop him. What he sets out to do, he's going to complete. And when we talk about this idea of God being a relentless God, he's not like some eighth grader that, boy that's trying to pursue his girlfriend going, oh, please, would you come after me? It is the idea that he says, when I started with humanity to create a relationship with them and to enjoy them, I'm going to bring this thing to an end. I will one day have that relationship that I set out to have. And off began God's pursuit of humanity and fixing the problem that had been made. He brought all of his power, all of his care to bear. Now in some senses we know this, like when you look at the flood, there were times where you're like, man, God, why did you destroy the whole world? But in Genesis 12, he comes in and God finds this guy, Abraham, and he looks at Abraham and says, I will make you the father of a great nation. I will bless the nations through you, Abraham. I'm going to change the world through you. 
Not long after that, he has all of Abraham's family about 400 or so, or actually 500 or so years after that. He's got all of them out in the wilderness. And he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. He did amazing things. All of his power came to bear. Why? Because he wanted to understand, I care about you. I'm going to build a relationship with you. By the time we finally get to Jeremiah 32, even after Israel had totally rejected God, God still comes before them and says, I will be your God and you will be my people. I'm, going not, I'm not going to stop until I have you in relationship with me. And then what we celebrate inside of the birth of Jesus, isn't it incredible? When Jesus landed into a manger, it was God's statement to the world. I'm going to make this happen. You will not stop me. We know Jesus came. He grew up into a man. There's these little moments in which you see God come to bear, this God that's in control of all things. If you remember right, when Jesus was 12 years old, his parents are trying to find him. And Jesus, just in a cool way, they finally find him in the temple. They're like, oh, where have you been? And he says, I'm hanging in my father's house. Jesus came. He lived this perfect life. And I've always wanted to just be there for some of the miracles Jesus did. I mean, can you imagine being in the boat the day that he got up in front in the midst of the storm and just said, peace be still. Or wouldn't you have wanted to be the person where he said, walk to me. Or just imagine the times also, though, where he healed the lame and the blind and the sick and just to see this thing and be blown away by him. In other words, this God with all this power to look at him and say, you want to have a relationship with me? And yet while Jesus was here, it says he was full of grace and truth. In other words, he touched people. He was with people, looked him in the eye. He saw the women, at this woman that was bleeding and he healed her of her, her, what was going on inside of her. He found the poor and the sick. He touched the beggars. He came out even amongst those that were cast out from all of society. This powerful God that could control all things, at the end of it, he cared. Why? Because he came to develop relationship. He wanted us to know him. If you ever doubt his love, he then goes all the way to solve humanity's problem. For hundreds and hundreds of years, humanity had looked at God and said, we're fine without you, just like Adam and Eve had said. It had separated them from God, and in that separation, in this beautiful moment, even though all of us in this room, I don't care if you're the good little granny good witch or Hitler, every single one of us in this room have said in a way, God, I don't need you, but yet on the cross, God said, yes, you do, and he died for all of humanity. Why? Because what he set out to do was to have a relationship with us. But not only that, Jesus might have come as a baby the first time, but listen to me, he's coming again. He's not coming as the docile infant that's going to just sit there and grow into man. He is coming back one day as king of kings and as lord of lords. And he's going to establish his kingdom. And it's going to be a good kingdom in which he reigns over all things and sets all things straight. Why? Because he's determined to have a relationship with us. See, look at Revelation 21. I love this. At the very end, it's just sitting there and God has established his his kingdom. And it says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, 
God's home is now amongst his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And watch this, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Why is he doing it? Why is he bringing all that power to bear? Because he desires relationship with us. That's why he created us. Now here's my concern. I think all of us in this room are a little too easily satisfied with just knowing about God. I think God is offering us himself. He's offering to walk with us for us to know him. And not just know him like cognitively. Do you understand that, that there's this phrase inside of John 17, 3 where it says, when Jesus Christ came, he came that they might have eternal life. And this is eternal life, that you might know the one and only true God and his son Jesus Christ. That word know means actually experiential knowledge. You were created to know the God of the universe. This morning when I got up and prayed for all of you in this room, do you realize I have a God that heard me because I have a relationship with him? I mean, haven't you ever just pinched yourself? Those of you that are followers in Jesus went, shut up. The king's my dad. And I can talk to him and walk with him and experience him. And not only that, he's coming back one day to enjoy me forever in a relationship with him. See, this is what St. Nicholas found out. But here's the key on this, okay? The only way that relationship is ever built is to come to him and say, God, I trust you. I'm done living independently of you. I'm done trying to figure out my own life. I'm trying trying to figure out to get to you. I'm done denying you. That the only way that I can come to relationship with you is this idea of surrender. See, sometimes when we present the gospel to people, we present it as a treaty. Somehow, God's going to make a treaty with me, and and I'm going to go live my life, and he's going to go his life, and at the end, he's just going to kind of make everything better. But listen to me. Actually, what he's doing is, is actually calling us to surrender. And by the way, all of us in this room that are followers of Jesus, he's calling all of us to surrender. Every last one of us on an ongoing basis to stop living for ourselves. In fact, that's the promise of it. Those of us that come to know Jesus, we can be made new and we don't have to live for ourselves anymore. We can live for the one who was born in a manger that was raised and died and was, and, and was raised again from the dead. He's looking at all of us and saying, you can surrender, a sweet surrender. First Peter 5 puts it like this. It says, and God will exalt you in due time. Watch this though. If you humble yourselves under his mighty hand. In other words, I can't build a relationship with God except by this idea of humbly coming to him and saying, God, I need you. But watch this. You come to him by casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. That's who St. Nicholas ran into, and it changed his life. 
Once he'd encountered this God, nothing would ever be the same. He had no problem once he encountered this God, not caring about his money and his things. Why? Because he encountered the God that he knew desired a relationship with him because he cared. And in this cool moment, we see this. At some point, 1,700 years ago, St. Nicholas just came to Jesus and he surrendered. And he entered into this relationship of knowing God. Now, for all of those in here that don't know Jesus, I would just say this to you. Today's the day to surrender. He designed you to have relationship with him. Enter into that relationship. Come to know this God that we've talked about. Surrender to you all your life and, and follow him with everything you have. For the rest of us in here, man, Christmas can be anxious, can it? Man, my mom's coming into town next service. I can say it because she's not here yet. (laughs) I love her and I love all family, but man, doesn't it just send the anxiety quotient through the roof? My mom's probably going, oh my gosh, I'm coming into my son's romper room with all of his children. She's got anxiety. But in all these things, man, Christmas is the story of a God that can't be stopped. It's a story of a God who from beginning of end is going to cause all things to work out. It's a story of a God who's going to bring all things to a phenomenal conclusion. Why? Because he desires to have relationship with us. So if you're a follower of Jesus in here, because I see some of you got really dour faces. Smile. (laughs) We're good. The king is coming back. But you can have relationship with him, right? Now. And so with that, I just like everybody to stand up. Just come on, stand up. And everybody with me, just take a breath. You got it? The God of the universe adores you. And he's created you for relationship. And I've read the end of the Bible. Jesus wins. Now, in light of the fact that we're going into the Christmas season, Jared's going to tone it down a little. And all we're going to do, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, enjoy God. Just enjoy him. If you're not a follower, we need to talk. But enjoy this time just singing praise of the King. Amen? All right.